Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Rancouver, Rancouver. And uh, I tried to bring sunshine from Texas, but I don't know. I just, it didn't, wasn't in my baggage or it got left at the airport or something. But uh, no, it is wonderful to be here at Five Stones this morning. And uh, wow, we have, we've had a great weekend. Uh, those of you that were participating in the course, uh, it, it was so much fun. I, I enjoy uh, when we get together and we learn and we're trained and we grow in the things of God. And we realize that God uses ordinary people, and uh, he doesn't use the extraordinary, he uses the ordinary, and that I fit that description, and I pray that you do too, and that today, as we go through this, uh, this lesson, that uh, we will all realize how much God wants to utilize all of our lives. And, and uh, just a little bit of background, I came from a very, uh, very shy <laughs> demeanor. Uh, so shy, in fact, that uh, at school when the teacher would call on me to give a report, uh, I was always in the back row. And so when she would say, hey, uh, Greg Miller, it's your turn to, to share your report, and I would always come up with some kind of an excuse to tell the teacher that, uh, you know, I just, I can't. I'm very sick today, teacher, uh, tomorrow. And she, okay, tomorrow is your turn. I said, okay, yes, teacher. And so the next day, I would be laying in bed when school time comes, and my mom said, hey, it's time to go to school. What are, you, what are you laying in bed for? Oh, I'm really sick, mom. I can't go to school today. And it would go on for about four or five days of excuses and reasons why I don't want to be in class. I don't want to give a report. And the whole point was I was so shy and so nervous to be in front of people. I was not the kind of person that would say, hey, let me be on the, on the limelight, let me be on the stage, and let everybody look at me and listen to me. That was not me. But uh, something happened to me when I was 16, and, and uh, I experienced God in a new way. And the amazing thing about God, he takes us, we're on this journey called the, the walk of faith, and the walk of faith is, is just that. There is like these moments in our life where we are confronted with new truths, and new opportunities, and they usually come at mountains or problems in our life. Do you know that problems in our life or storms in our life, mountains that rise up against us, we think that they're there to crush us or to kill us, but actually it's a great opportunity to know God in a new way. And it's a new encounter with God, and that's what happened to me. I had suffered a, a major uh, uh, injury in sports, and the doctor said, you're going to be crippled for the rest of your life, and and sports and athletics is over for you. And as a 16-year-old, that was devastating to me. And so uh, a friend of mine was inviting me to a, a church that believed in praying for healing and all those kinds of things. And they believed in the Holy Spirit and its gifts today and all of that wonderful things. And I didn't believe any of that stuff. I didn't grow up that way. I grew up in the Mennonite church. Very traditional, very religious, very uh, calm. <laughs> all of this that happened this morning would never have happened in my church. We sang out of hymn books. Uh, the young people have no idea what the hymn books are, but there are books that have the songs in them. And, uh, uh, and anyway, so that's how I grew up, and you know, we sang in four-part harmony in our church. It was beautiful, beautiful music and beautiful singing, but no instruments allowed. So anyway, I grew up in this traditional background, and so now I'm in this church, and I have this amazing experience with God where he heals me instantly instantly go to the doctor the next day he takes x-rays and now we have the before and after x-ray of broken back not broken back the next week i'm praying playing sports again and that opened my my mind i go whoa there is something more to this and the, the that particular church you know they taught about well the holy spirit and the work of the holy spirit in your life and being empowered by the holy spirit and that was all new lingo for me but i studied the scriptures. I began to study the scriptures. What does the Bible say about this? Not what everybody taught me in the past, but what does the Bible actually say? And I realized, well, this is for me today. I need this. And I began to open my life to a new experience of experiencing the Holy Spirit in my life. What does that mean? For me, it really freaked me out because that, you know, I heard people talking in tongues, and that was so strange. I thought, these people are crazy. These people are, are fanatics. There's something wrong with them. They have a screw loose, and they're, they're just, you know, they're being brainwashed, and they're making these funny gibberish sounds, and I thought, that's not for me. I don't want that. <laughs> and so I was like, I want everything about the power, of the, the power of God and the Holy Spirit, but I don't want that. And it really became an obstacle to me to experience God in a new way. But one of the things I realized as uh, the people would pray for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit and all those wonderful things, one thing that I did notice instantly in my life 
was what you see on the screen. Boldness. Something happened when I opened my life to the Holy Spirit and His reality, it began to change who Greg is. His presence in my life began to change how I looked at myself and how I felt on a stage in front of people. And God began to put this boldness in me which began to transform me almost into a different person when I would stand on a stage or in front of people. Before, I would never want to do that. I would not do what I'm doing this morning. But when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, something became, I, I became empowered by something, by someone. I didn't understand all that at the moment, but all I did know is I could actually stand in front of people and tell people about Jesus and what He's done in my life. And so this morning... I don't know your background. I don't know your personality. You say, well, I'm kind of an introvert. I don't like to talk to people. And so boldness, ugh, don't talk to me about boldness. I don't want to be a bold person. And that's just not my style and my personality. Listen, the Holy Spirit can change us. He really can. The Holy Spirit can bring us into a new confidence and a new authority to be a messenger for him. So this morning, if you look at uh, the screen here, the definition of boldness is a renewed attention Two or, uh, excuse me, revival. Let me, let me stop here. First, revival. There is a revival going on in our world. And I put up here uh, the definition of what a revival is, because a lot of people have different ideas of what a revival is. But here's a definition. It's a renewed attention to or an interest in something, a new presentation or publication of something old, an improvement in the condition or strength of something, an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. The concept of revival is to revive something that has been dead or sleeping. That's where we get the word revive. Revival is, is something, it's a movement that something is, that was obsolete, something that was dying, something that was asleep, suddenly comes alive again. And in our world today, in our society, there is a revival going on. And I'm going to put it in a context of a negative revival. There is a revival in our cultures, in our societies, there are people that are protesting and rallying and marching and, and there's a, a message that they are preaching with great boldness. Uh, it's, they, don't, they don't shy back from it. They are preaching a bold message. They are uh, you know, proclaiming it from the streets and the mountaintops and the tops of buildings and, and rallies and protests, especially in my country, in the U.S., and you see it all the time, and there is a revival of old things, but it's coming back again, and people are standing up and just boldly proclaiming their message. Their message is amazing. <laughs> their consistent message is, you are God, and you decide. You are God, and you decide about your life, who you are, what you are, what, what you can become. You decide, no one else decides for you. And the message is very clear, and they're very bold about what they are proclaiming. And that revival is happening in our world, it's happening in the U.S., happening in North America, and people are rising up, and they are, without shame and without fear, proclaiming a message. You are God, you decide. Okay, so the question I have for us this morning, where is the church? Where is our message? Where is our boldness? Where is our revival? Because there is certainly a revival happening in our world of old things, old styles. You know, all the things that's happening today, those, are, those were in the 60s, those were in the 70s, those were in the 50s. We, we've seen all this before. It's just a recycling of things. Maybe it's named differently and branded differently, but it's the same stuff, which really says, you are God, you decide. We don't recognize a God, you are the God, you decide. And so, a question I have this morning, and I believe that God is speaking over all of us, where is the church? Where is our message? Where is our boldness? Because I tell you, you know, in First Peter it says that the enemy is like a roaring lion. It doesn't say the enemy is a lion. <laughs> Sometimes we, we read that the wrong way. We think, oh yeah, the devil's like this lion. No, no, it's He's like a roaring lion. So in other words, he barks really loud. He roars really loud to intimidate and bring fear upon us. And that's happening in our world today. And one of the ways that that's happening is that it's really, you know, pushing, putting fear into the church 
because we don't want to say anything. We don't want to be bold enough because we could get canceled. Right? And so we have the cancel culture that's happening. And so you've got to be very careful what you say, what you don't say. And, and I understand that. We've got to use wisdom. But yet it cannot silence us. And boldness from the Holy Spirit is what we need today more than ever. We need the boldness of the Holy Spirit to stand up and say, wait a minute, we do have a message, we do have a kingdom, and it's more powerful than anything else. We recognize the God. We are not God. He is God, and He is God alone. Amen. How many believe that this morning? Amen. So we need to be empowered again. So let's go just for a moment and look at what the Bible says about ordinary people. How many ordinary people do we have today? <laughs> I think I'm t talking to the right crowd, right? I'm included in that crowd. And uh, by the way, we want to say hello to all the people on second floor and all the people watching online. Uh, God bless you guys. We don't see you, but we believe you exist. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians, look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless, oh, I love this part, to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Wow, I want to be part of that group. The powerless, the ordinary, the people, the world says, oh, who are you? What are you? You're not a powerful person. God could never use you. And boy, I tell you, that's not true. This is why God's so amazing. He loves to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things. And then we have Jesus. <laughs> I love this. Jesus' team is full of ordinary people. I want us to think about this for a minute. Jesus' team, uh, you know, these are chosen uh, Jewish young men. Maybe you didn't realize this or not, but most 11 out of the 12 disciples were probably under the age of 20. They were in their teens, teenagers that Jesus chose, except Peter. Peter was probably over the age of 20. He was the only one that we know of that was married. So the rest of his team, though, are teenagers. Historically, we can show some of this as evidence, but the reality is these are young people that Jesus chose that you and I probably wouldn't choose for our team. <laughs> we probably wouldn't include them on our, our team of ministry team that we're going to train these guys to take over the world and take over this ministry that Jesus was building. But these are the ones that Jesus chose. Ordinary men. They were fishermen, tax collectors. There was a physician. There were some political zealots on the team. Uh, there was a thief. <laughs> Jesus chose a thief, by the way. Did you know that? Judas was a thief. And and uh, maybe at the moment, he didn't portray himself as a thief, but all through Jesus' ministry, we know that G Judas was stealing money from the money bag. But yet, Jesus chose him on the team. Boy, I wouldn't choose that guy. <laughs> but here we have this incredible team that Jesus chose, ordinary people, young people that you and I probably wouldn't choose for our team. So we had on the team some blue-collar workers. We had some white-collar workers. There were some professional ones. There were some, you know, just ordinary people, fishermen, just doing what fishermen do. Probably pretty stinky, pretty smelly people. But, uh, you know, it, it's just this, this group of people that Jesus chose to help us see today that in a group like this, there's all different kinds of people. And Jesus says, I want to choose ordinary people. And, boy, I tell you, when we realize this, this is very powerful. You know, all through the Old Testament, we see teenagers being chosen by God to be incredible leaders. We see people like uh, Jeremiah, who was probably 13, 16, when God calls him to be a prophet. We see uh, Joseph, who's probably 12 or 13, when he has these incredible dreams about being a leader of a, of a nation, a leader over his family. We see David, probably about the age of 12 to 15, when Samuel prophesies over him, you're going to be the next king of Israel. We see Miriam, six or seven years old, when God meets with her. Timothy was probably in his 20s. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were 10 to 30 years old in, in their calling, in their output, in their expression in the kingdom. We see God again and again choosing ordinary people, probably young people, to do extraordinary things. 
Now you say, well, I'm not 10 and I'm not 30, Greg, so I guess I'm not included in that group right now. <laughs> but hey, God uses ordinary people, available people, to follow him and do incredible things. Uh, we're going somewhere this morning. I'm just laying some groundwork of the reality that there is a move of God that is happening in our world today, but God is going to use the ordinary people to do it. That are filled with the Holy Spirit and that are, are filled with boldness and not afraid to stand, not afraid to pray, not afraid to speak out of what God wants to do. You see, all of these men, they had some, a characteristic amount. They were willing to follow. And one of the things we're finding hard in our world today, no one wants to follow anybody. Everybody wants to be their own thing and their own independence and their own God. Why would I follow someone else? But the characteristic of these men that Jesus, that he chose, they were all had this, this characteristic of they were willing to follow, to learn and to be mentored. And in that process, Jesus kept releasing them in more and more authority, more and more power through their lives. These were not the most talented. <laughs> They were not the most biblically trained. They were not rabbis. Uh, they were not the most complete. And if you study the life of the disciples, especially Peter, we always make fun of Peter because he always put his, you know, he had the foot and mouth disease and, and uh, he always put his foot in his mouth. Every time he opened his mouth, he would say something and everybody would laugh at him and Jesus would have to correct him. And, and uh, you realize that these guys are not perfect. They don't have their life all together, but yet Jesus chose them. And I think sometimes we disqualify ourselves because we don't feel like we're good enough, spiritual enough, mature enough that God would want to use me in his kingdom. They were willing to do what Jesus asked. Their example, Jesus, their training all led to an action. And I think that one of the things that happens in the Western culture is that we emphasize education, training, education, training, information, knowledge, and we feel like that's what equips people, but really Jesus' style was he trained and he taught, but everything led to an action. Everything led to a movement. Everything led to, okay, what you learn, put it in practice tomorrow. Jesus teaches, and they, the disciples are involved in the miracle process. He teaches the you know, multitude and says, okay, you guys go feed the multitude. So every teaching and training led the disciples into an action to put into movement what they're learning. Supernatural people. You see, Jesus chooses ordinary people and he changes them into supernatural people. And like I said in my own story, I was a very ordinary person, very shy, very nervous, very scared to talk in front of anybody. In fact, it, holding a conversation one-on-one -on -one was really difficult for me. And, but when I was empowered by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, when I felt like Jesus said, Greg, I'm choosing you, I want you to be my representative, and here is my spirit in your life that will empower you to be that messenger, something changed. And the ordinary Greg became a supernatural Greg. And I didn't understand all that at the moment, but I began to see that evidence in my life. And I, I like to say it like this. You know, supernatural is made of two words. You have the word super, and then you have the word natural. Obviously, the natural part is, ta-da, it's you and I, right? We're the natural part. But the super part, or the divine part, is God. And this is the amazing thing that Jesus shows us when he chose his team. He says, listen, guys, we're going to work together in this. What, where you're weak, I'm going to be strong. In your uh, shortcomings, I'm going to fill that. In your inabilities and your sense of weaknesses and your uh, lack of confidence, I'm going to be that for you. So just bring the natural to the table. And I'm going to work with the natural because I'm going to give the divine. And this is the thing that I believe God wants his church to do today. He wants us to understand God wants to use ordinary people. Instead of the high-profile, polished celebrity people, God wants to use the ordinary person at an ordinary job or at an ordinary school or in an ordinary neighborhood. And that's where God wants to empower you and I to represent him. We talk about revival all the time. There is a revival happening, and those out there are not afraid 
to speak out, and they have great boldness in what they're proclaiming, it's time for the church to raise up, to rise up, and to be that in our day. Here's an interesting verse in Luke chapter 24, verse 29. It says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city, Jerusalem, until the Holy Spirit comes, and look at this, and fills you with power from heaven. You understand, these men, they had been trained. They had been commissioned. They had received authority from Jesus, but yet Jesus says, don't do anything yet. Don't go. You need to be empowered. Trained, commissioned, and they had received authority, but they had not received empowerment yet. And there's a difference. We're going to talk about that in just a second. They, he said, listen, you've walked with me. I've taught you. You've been trained by the best, the best master. And you've been an apprentice for some time now. And I've delegated authority to you. I've, I've commissioned you. I've said, go into all the world and preach. But listen, I don't want you to do anything yet until you are empowered. And that really caught my attention because, you know, we go through training. We delegate authority to people and, and all of that. And we can go through lots of actions and movements. But Jesus told his men, listen, I want to empower you. There is something that I want to give to you that will enable you to be supernatural. And that supernatural is what we need today. Because the people around us, if you haven't noticed, are real skeptical of the church. They're real skeptical. And they are very critical of Christians. And they're very skeptical. Does God really exist? Does God really care? Does it really matter what God thinks? Is the Bible relevant for our day? Is it just a historical book? And there's lots of skepticism out there. Is God real? Some of them have gone to churches, churches that talk about power, churches that talk about God does this and God does that, and they've gone to church and they've tasted and it's like, no, there's nothing here. It just sounds like a great message, but I don't see anything happening. And they sometimes go away disappointed. Others have said, yeah, God talks about the God of love, but the Christian that I know at my job is always pointing the finger at me, and they're tasting what God is like, and they say, I don't want that God. Or they hear craziness happening around them or on YouTube or Facebook, and, and these people, you know, reaping, uh, you know, pronouncing judgment over the whole world and over the cities, and, and California is going to fall into the ocean, and all those wonderful things. <laughs> But California's still there. And the reality is the world tastes that. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But what the world tastes sometimes is like, that's sour. I don't want that, God. And so we have a, a moment, I believe, right now that God has given all of us. And that is, let me empower you to be a witness, to be a messenger that will be an incredible testimony to the people out there. You understand, even Jesus himself, highly trained man up to the age of 30. He's been through all the biblical schooling. He's been, as a Jewish young man, he's been through all of those things. He has, he's been hearing the prophetic words over his life since he was born. And the prophetic words, and as you read the text, he goes, that's me. And so he has been well-trained. He has been commissioned. He has authority from God. But yet he doesn't start his ministry until he was empowered. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when he was baptized in the river, he comes out of the river. The voice of God speaks over, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then it says, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. And after that, he goes into the wilderness. There's a testing that goes on in his life. But when he comes back, he comes back someone else. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then we see him do incredible things. Supernatural. Hallelujah. This is good news because I fit the ordinary man. I believe you fit the ordinary man and woman. And if we're really saying, God, we want to see a move in Vancouver, then you know what God's going to do. Say, I'm looking for a man and a woman. When God wants to do something amazing on the earth, he goes, yes, I want to do this and this, and I want to do that, and I hear your prayers. But then he begins, Who, who's available? I want to use a person. I want to use a, a man, a woman, a young man, a young a uh, young woman. I want to use an old man, an old woman. I want to use a middle-aged person. We don't call them old. We call them mature now. But uh, 
<laughs> well seasoned. <laughs> you understand, we can do and say many things in our human strength and our natural abilities. In fact, uh, John says it like this. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Do you know we can do a lot of things with our own strength? We can build churches with our own strength. We can build ministries with our own strength because we're smart. We work hard. And we can do a lot of things with human power. We can sing, we can write music, we can write books. We can do a lot of things with our human strength because of our knowledge, our education, and our experiences. But whatever originates with man, man has to sustain. And that's the, that's the problem. So there are lots of ministries, churches, and you know, incredible things that are out there that are built by men, but men now have to sustain it. And so even if the Holy Spirit's not involved with it, the man still has to sustain it and the show must go on because people are waiting. And, you know, in prophetic ministry, I've been in ministry many, many years, and I'm always challenged with this because I know how to preach, I know how to teach, I know how to make messages, I know how to do courses and all of those things. I know how to do all of that in the natural because I've done it for so long. But when somebody's standing in front of me and they're waiting for a prophetic word, Oof, I can't, I can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. I have nothing to say to them of any value that's going to change their life or build their life without the help of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to be a people that just build things out of our own strength because then we have to sustain that and keep it happening and keep it working. You know, sometimes I, I think even in, a, especially in the Western culture, we've put a lot of hoops for people. You know, modern societies sometimes have swung in the direction of education of people over the power experience of people. Many times we've substituted what we know and what we say over the importance of what we experience. And sometimes we've, we've lifted up knowledge of God, information about God, over experiencing God. And many times, knowledge can become literally like an idol. And we, our faith is in our knowledge of God, but do we know God? And sometimes in our lives, personal lives or church life, we have, we've swung maybe another way where now to serve God in any way, you've got to go through 1,400 classes and 1,400 trainings and all these hoops so that finally... Oh, after you got all that done, now you can serve God in this capacity or the other capacity. Now, please hear something. I am not opposed to education. I am not opposed to biblical studies and preparation, all of those things, but we could never substitute that for the, for the reality of God's presence and his empowerment in our lives. And I look at Jesus' team, and I don't see all the hoops that they jump through to be men that change the world. And I, I realized, whoa, have we swung too far this way and not allowed God to choose the people He wants to choose. And, and I tell you, there's moments where we're going to be shocked by some of the people God chooses to use. They might be newborn Christians. They might be people that just got saved. They just came into the church and they're so excited about God and they, God begins to pour out or empower them and they begin to be used by God. Some of us that are seasoned veterans in the church are like, wait a minute, why is God using that guy and not me? And I, that's a great question to ask ourselves and to evaluate what's going on in our lives. These natural men were empowered to speak and to do. Uh, I love what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but when uh, you receive the power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice something here. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what? <laughs> what does it say? It says, to be my witnesses. It doesn't say to be filled with the power so that you can speak in tongues or that you can prophesy. Now, that's all part of it. But the primary purpose here is to empower you to speak. To empower you to 
lift up your voice, to empower you to be a real life living witness of who Jesus is. That's really different than hiding and being undercover Christian at your work. It's really different. This is actually talking about my life is a witness. It's I'm empowered to be a witness in front of anyone and everybody. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is how I live. This is what I do and what I don't do. These are the boundaries in my life. And I'm not afraid of what everyone's going to think. Now, I'm not there to be obnoxious. I'm not there to stand on my desk tomorrow at your cubicle, at your office. Do not stand on your desk. Hey, I'm a Christian, everybody, and you know, all you guys need Jesus. Don't do that. All right? I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about we cannot cover ourselves. We cannot cover our light under a bushel like the Bible says. We need the boldness of the Holy Spirit in our life to stand and be proud of who we are in Christ. They don't have a problem with that out there. They are proud of who they are. They are proud of their message. They are proud of everything that they believe in. And they don't have any trouble telling you what they think, what they believe. The church, ordinary people, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be empowered by God to be a witness. Hallelujah. That was a good place to say amen. <laughs> All right. Boldness. The fruit of empowerment is boldness. Here we see in Acts chapter 4, and uh, the, Peter and John, you know, they had prayed for a guy. He got healed. Now they brought them in front of the leaders of the, of the city and the religious leaders. And it says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw what? The boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were what? <laughs> I love this, how it says that they were they could see, oh, these are just ordinary guys. These are just dudes. <laughs> these are just, these are, you know, average Joe. If you're Joe today, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> smashing you. But they're, they're, they're just, just normal people. It was obvious to these leaders that, wow, these guys are ordinary men, but there's a boldness on them. But notice what else it says, with no special training in the Scriptures. Now, again, I'm not against training in the Scriptures. You need to know what the Bible says. But the emphasis here was there was a boldness on these guys to do and to speak what Jesus said. And there was a demonstration of that in front of a whole city that now was shaking the city and the religious <laughs> leaders of that city because they didn't know how to deal with Wow, this guy was paralyzed, now he's up, and how did this happen? And these two guys prayed for him, so those two are responsible, so we need to... And you understand, there was a boldness on these two to do and to speak what Jesus said. But then it says in verse uh, 13, it says, They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And now, O Lord, here's the prayer. Later, after they've been you know, told, hey, don't do this anymore, don't preach anymore in Jesus' name, don't do these kinds of things anymore, and this is the limitation that we, the government, is putting on you, don't do this anymore. But listen to their prayer. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. What? Great boldness in preaching your word. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. We see it again and again in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit being poured out and these men become bold in speaking. You could literally read verse 29 and verse, yeah, verse 29. That would be like the, the headlines on CNN right now. There's lots of threats. There's lots of against this and against that. They're saying, listen, give us boldness to preach even in the face of threat. Even in the face of threat. Where does this boldness come from? Boldness flows when we know we are speaking his word. John chapter 7, verse 15, the people were surprised when they heard him. Talking about Jesus. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? They asked. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. So here we see empowerment, boldness is coming because Jesus understood, listen, these are not my words, so if they're not my words, they're God's words, so now I can speak boldly what he's telling me to say. So Jesus himself had a boldness in how he 
ministered to people, how he spoke publicly, how he ministered, taught, because he had a boldness because he knew these words are not my words. These words are coming from God, and if they're God's words, I can proclaim them boldly. Paul understood this the same way. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. That the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. So here we see that these two men, Jesus and Paul, are saying the same thing. Listen, the reason I can be so bold, yes, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit, but that empowerment is manifest when I understand it's not my own words. I've, I've felt that way many times. I've been on airplanes. I've been in different sp spaces, and I've been in different places, and, and uh, somebody asks me a question, and I'm in this moment of, what do I say? I don't know what to say. I'm listening inside, and suddenly a word comes to me, and I realize it's not my word. This word is coming from somewhere else. It's God's word. And so when I begin to speak that word, a boldness comes. A confidence comes. And he promised you and I that in that moment when we are questioned, when we are confronted with something, when someone makes a comment and, and they're saying, hey, what do you think about this? In that moment, it says that he will give you the words to speak. And when they are his words, now we can speak it boldly. Because I realize, hey, this is not my words. I'm just repeating what I'm hearing. This is coming from God. And if it's his words, it carries his authority. I love it says in uh, Acts chapter 2, it says, Then I, uh, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in another language. Do you know that wind and fire throughout the Scripture are very key elements? Uh, the wind of God was always talking about the, the presence or the the power of God to change things and to revive things, the, the wind of God, the breath of God. When God breathed into Adam, what was just dirt now came to life. When uh, the prophet was in the valley of dry bones, he said, let the wind of God come upon the bones. And they rose back up. So wind and fire are two elements so, so important for us to capture. This is part of the empowerment of God. So in the upper room that day, there was a sound like a wind. And it was giving them all understanding. Listen, we are going to be empowered by God. His power is upon us. But the second thing that happened is there was this flame. And I don't know if it was a, like a big lighter, you know, on top of everybody's head. I don't know how that all looked, but there was like these flames, these tongues of fire over every person. And it's interesting that the fire in Scripture was always representative of God's presence. We had Moses at the burning bush. It was a fire. We had a pillar of fire at night that led the, the Israelites. We had all this concept of fire was God's presence. And we see here that there's wind and there's fire in the moment of empowerment. And it's interesting that when the fire appeared, it says they began to speak. Here again, we see empowerment has direct connection to your tongue has direct connection to your ability to speak and your ability to communicate to people. I love this about God's presence. You see, boldness flows from a personal reality. It's like, you know, I am a witness. When you are confident, when you've experienced something, you don't have any problems telling anybody about it because it's real to me. I've experienced this. So boldness will flow out of personal, personal experience. It's part of what happens in our life as we experience God. So what's real to you, God is giving you a boldness to speak it to someone else. That's why when you know I'm out and about, I hear somebody talking about their back. Oh, I got this back problem. I got this back problem. I, I don't have any problem tapping that person on the shoulder and say, listen, I used to have a back problem. Oh, really? You understand? Strikes up a conversation instantly when I say I used to have a back problem and they go what? what what do you mean you used to and they now it makes them very curious of what what happened to me but the reason I can be so bold about it is because I was healed of a back problem just like in your life there's many things that God's already done in you and you've experienced God and you've received something from God those are the areas that you have incredible boldness let the boldness come out there's a confidence last thing 
A boldness changes us into another man. We see here a man named Peter. And after they were empowered in the upper room, Peter is the one that stands up. And this is what he says. With the 11 other apostles, he stepped forward and he began to shout to the crowd. Listen carefully. He begins to preach to all the people that had gathered around. What do I mean that boldness changes us into another man? Remember Peter. Peter had failed Jesus. Peter had made these great boasts, these great promises to Jesus. Listen, Jesus, I got your back. I will never deny you. But we know that in the moment of the judgment and the accusation of Jesus, Peter denied the Lord three times. And it says that in the third time that Peter expressed, I don't know this man, and he denied him like that, it says that Jesus and Peter's eyes met. I don't know if you ever caught that in the Gospels. But their eyes met the moment he's saying, I will never, and Jesus is looking right at him. Can you imagine that? (laughs) The guy that I said, I got your back, Jesus, you can count on me. I'll never deny you. I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let anybody do any bad things to you. And then our eyes meet the moment I'm denying you. It says that uh, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine the guilt, the shame, the condemnation that's on top of Peter right now? And in fact, it it was so bad that Peter went back to his old ways. Because the next time we see Peter, he's fishing again really interesting. Jesus had called him to t- come away from being a fisherman and follow me and I want to train you you become fisher of men, all of those things. But the next time we see Peter, he's back doing his old thing. And Jesus comes right up to him says, Peter, do you love me? And he restores Peter back. So when Peter's empowered by the Holy Spirit, something powerful happens. It changes who he is, how he looked at himself. Whoa, I'm still chosen. I still have these gifts. I still have these abilities. Jesus is still choosing me even when I failed Him. And it's so powerful when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it changes us into a new person. And we can rise up again and be instated again in the kingdom work that He has for us. So please hear me this morning. You might feel like a Peter. You might feel like, wow, you know, I used to be so on fire and I was telling everybody about Jesus, but things happened and I made some bad choices and and today I'm just, whoa, messed up. Could God ever use me? Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He still chooses you. I'd like us all to stand if we would stand with me. This is that moment where we get to experience what I'm preaching about and Maybe you were like me, grew up in a very traditional background. Maybe you grew up in a very traditional way about the, uh, you know, about Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts and all of those things. But I hope this morning you've heard one of the principal reasons of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to be empowered to be a witness. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a boldness that goes beyond your personality, goes beyond your, well, this is who I am, it's how my family, no, it goes beyond that. Because if he can do that in me, as you see me standing here today with great authority and confidence that I'm talking to you, that was not me when I was a teenager. The reason I can do that today is because I've been empowered and God has given me a boldness to be a witness. So, It's not difficult. You don't have to grovel on the ground and weep and cry and, oh God, please give me the Holy Spirit. No, it's very simple. Jesus said, I will send to you a gift, the Holy Spirit. So if you've never done that, you've never prayed that way, I just want to invite you to pray with me right now as we just simply open our hearts and just simply receive from Him. It's it's very simple. It's not something complicated, but literally, that empowerment can come to you in this moment. So online, upstairs, I want you to pray with me. And and just, it's very simple. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you have sent the Holy Spirit. And right now, I receive the Holy Spirit into my life. I receive the empowerment and the power of God into my life. 
I receive boldness to be a witness. God, I don't know how all you want to use me, but I receive boldness right now. I want to be a witness for you. I don't want to be quiet anymore. I don't want to be nervous anymore. Holy Spirit, would you fill my life anew and afresh right now? Those of you that have prayed this before, just say again, Holy Spirit, fill me anew and afresh right now. I want to be empowered anew and afresh for a revival. Not the revival the world is doing, but a different revival, a revival of of the Christian church, a revival of the message of God, a revival of the gifts of God. Holy Spirit, we need you. And so right now, I just receive. I receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Thank you right now. And just begin to thank the Lord. Just begin to thank the Lord. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for empowering our life. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There are several of you that just feel like when I talked about Peter, you say, well, that's me. I declare over you today, my brother, my sister, you felt like you have fallen away. You've lost that love. You've lost that passion, that drive. You've made some bad choices, bad decisions. Today you feel like, man, I'm, I'm just back into the old things that I always was in. But Jesus has me here this morning to say to you, come back. Come back. Come back. I choose you. I want you. Don't be there anymore. Come back with me. Let's, let's do this together. Let's do this the right way. And I just feel like the Lord's speaking over several of you in this room and and some online, I just believe that this is, a, this is a moment right now where you can be like Peter and you could continue to be a fisherman. Go back to your old ways. You could do that. You really could. Or you could say, wait a minute. Jesus still chooses me. Jesus still loves me. Jesus still forgives me. And the answer is yes, 100%. Jesus still wants to use my life, an ordinary man that has committed failures. He still wants to use me. And the answer is yes. So I speak to the Peter today. Peter, come. Come and follow again. Peter, come and follow again. I want to use you to be a witness to the multitudes. I want to use you to be a, a fisher of men. That's what I designed you to be. I didn't design you to be a fisher, a fisherman for fish. I designed you to be a fisher of men. That's what I declared over you. That declaration still stands. It still stands over your life today. It still stands over your destiny today. God didn't change his mind. Father, thank you so much. Would you empower all of those that feel like Peter? Would you fill him, fill her with the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit? Would you blow upon them, would you blow upon us the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit again? God, we don't want to be just ordinary people trying to do things in our own strength. That is exhausting. That's exhausting. We can't do it. We can't maintain a show. We don't want that. But we are hungry holy, for, for the Holy Spirit that would empower us that what we do flows out of rest instead of out of exertion. Father, help us in Jesus' name. I just, Father, we declare over five stones. We declare over New West. We declare over Vancouver and British Columbia. We declare over this region, Lord, that wind and fire begin to fall in a new way over this, over this place. That you would begin to ignite ordinary people to become supernatural men and women that are not afraid, that are filled with boldness that goes beyond our, our character and our, our personalities. And that, Father, we would literally be changed into new people. And people would actually be astonished like those religious leaders. Wow, these are just ordinary people. <laughs> but they have such boldness. Let the people around us begin to, to realize and to begin to say things like that about us. About five stones. Wow, they're just ordinary people. It's just an ordinary church. But man, there's something about them. They're so bold. But they've been with Jesus. That's our heart. That's our cry today. So, Father, we declare that over this place. We declare that over this group. We declare that over the city. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you, Father, that you begin to use ordinary people with extraordinary gifts. 
Father, the gifts of the healings, working of miracles. Father, we thank you, Father, for release of those in our midst, in our, our groups, our cell groups, our prayer groups, all around us, Father, at our jobs, at our schools, that, God, we would rise up and be that bold person, not afraid anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Why do we need a message on boldness? The bottom line truth is we have the fear of man. We're afraid of people. We are so tied to our self-consciousness. Oh, what will people think? I'm not good enough. I'm not adequate enough. That's one of the great consequences of the, of the fall is we became completely absorbed in our own self-consciousness. I basically have a panic attack every time I have to preach. Just this past week, I had to go online and prophesy to leaders across the globe. And I was literally crying out to God, why do you make me do this? I cannot do it. It's too hard. I almost had a nervous breakdown. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. And God had to build me back up again because I was so focused on my inadequacy, my self-consciousness. And so when Pastor Greg is preaching to us about boldness, it's not about bootstrapping ourselves to get strong enough. It's literally just opening our hearts up. And all of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit comes, I have a God consciousness that takes away my self-consciousness. And it's in that moment that I'm changed into a new man. I relate to more being in Saul's army afraid of Goliath. I'm afraid of the boogeyman out there. I'm afraid of your faces sometimes when I preach. Pastor John and I have said, you know what? We have to find that one face that looks kind of pleasant when we're preaching because everyone else looks so scary. I'm sorry, that's a little secret that us <laughs> preachers have sometimes because your faces can be very intimidating. Why? Because we feel so self-conscious. Am I saying the right thing? Am I in the flow? Is the anointing moving? All these things are going on at 80 miles an hour in the back of our heads. But what brings us to the front, what allows us to do it, we transition to that place. Holy Spirit, you are with me. I'm not thinking about Rich Gow. I'm not thinking about my inadequacy. I'm not thinking about my shy past. I'm thinking about you. And all of a sudden, I'm turned into a new man. And so when you're out there talking to your friend in the marketplace, yeah, I get it. I don't want to talk. I don't want to say something. I don't want to reach out my hand and pray for someone. But when you think about God's care and love for that person, the Holy Spirit breaks that self-consciousness, and you shift into a God mode, which is called boldness. So just receive that spirit that comes alongside of us enables us and takes away all that absorption about our, our inadequacy. And then you'll move in life and in power. We thank you, God, for this message. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes to release us and to set us free. We are so inadequate. We are so inept. We are so self-conscious. We can't even light a candle, let alone be the candle. But God, when you come, to make us light of the world, watch out. It's not on us, it's on you, but we look to you and we trust in you. Cut the nerve of our own self-consciousness so that we can shine for you. We bless you this morning. Just raise your hands to the Lord and say, we bless you this morning because you have made us the light of the world. We thank you now in Jesus' name, amen.